Boom. We're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Landio coming to you live and direct from the beautiful Smith River here in the great state of Jefferson, uh, where we've had beautiful blue skies and not a plane in sight spraying anything. The Oregon seems to be working pretty good in these parts. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're loving life. Uh, I wish we, you know, it's a little worrisome. We don't see rain in the projected next 10 days, which is a bummer for, uh, me trying to hit the slopes and also just, uh, a little odd, a little odd that we're getting this almost springtime weather bear, uh, this early, uh, in the year, but, um, I'll take it. I'll be outside today and propagating more seeds. So, um, there's always a bright side to everything that nature and even- I don't know if there's any correlation, but we were in the middle of monsoons, which are typical for a rainforest where we live up here in the Pacific Northwest. And all of a sudden they started chemtrailing the heck out of uh, Southern Oregon and to the east and west of us. And all of a sudden it dries up, but probably just a coincidence. Probably just a coinky dink. Uh, like I was saying to our co-op meeting earlier this week, we were uh, uh, up skiing uh, in Southern Oregon, Central Oregon, and there was at least at all times six, seven planes in the air. It was insane. So obviously, yeah, um, those guys need to get their organ going up there. They got to get their earth pipes going. We got to get those in there. So um, but yeah, overall, thank you guys for joining us today. We have a very exciting guest, David Weiss, coming on. We're going to go deep into the conspiracy of all conspiracies today, um, something we've been really um, uh, looking forward to for a long time, as Barrett and I have dabbled into these topics for years, having long, long conversations over the phone, going back all the way, what, 2015 at least. Um, so we've been following this for a very long time. Um, if you're new to this channel, if you're coming to us from David's side of, of, the, of the plane, um, you can find out more about us at alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. Um, we are all about uh, getting our hands in the dirt, growing our own products. We self-fund ourselves through um, the amazing formulations from Dr. Bear Lando. So check us out there. And if you're on Telegram, join our community. It's a spirited loving, holistic-minded community. That's t.me forward slash alphavedic. Or if you're on Discord, uh, alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. Finally, you can uh, support us through Patreon at patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. Okay, well, as one of the most renowned globe, as we're told, skeptics, David Weiss is on a mission to wake up the world to the granddaddy <laughs> of all conspiracies. Strap in, but keep your mind open. The AlphaCast crew believes in leaving no stone unturned, regardless of whose eyebrows get raised. Today, we're entertaining the perchance concept that the shape and functionality of our beloved Earth may be remarkably different than what most of us have always perceived. David Weiss will be our tour guide down this entertaining rabbit hole of endless possibilities. Like many of us, Dave will admit that the geometry of our realm can't be ascertained for certain. But the consensus with any in-depth sleuthing reveals more than a few undeniable whoppers. David masterfully tackles many of the typical questions from people who would otherwise consider this subject a fool's errand as he viewed the world through a similar lens in the not-too-distant past. As a renewable energy businessman, he first traversed the flat earth path in early 2015 in a serious effort to debunk this ridiculous notion. Whether or not you reach similar conclusions as David after this controversial roundtable discussion, it will be hard to deny that NASA 
and the entire consortia of institutionalized academia has some serious explaining to do. Dr. Berlando, how are you today? And wow, this is a whopper. Yeah, how'd you like that little intro? Uh, you know, it's, I, I had to think about what I'd write up this week. But uh, yeah, uh, first off, uh, Dave, I'm going to make a few comments. But um, thanks so much for making time for us today. This is going to be really, really fun. And, you know, to the Alpha Veda community, the Bear community, all the folks that uh, falls out here and, and we're growing weekly, thank you so much for your support, folks. Um, you know, we believe in entertaining uh, diversity of topics from many different perspectives, because from doing that, as I've discovered in my own work, uh, larger patterns emerge. And from those patterns, uh, you can really glean quite a bit. So uh, anybody who um, is, is maybe sheepish about going into this topic, um, you know, we certainly aren't because we just want to know the truth. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I just want to tell people where I'm coming from on this topic a little bit. And also to some of the, you know, the more skeptics out there, I really don't care what people think of me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the, one of the original virus deniers out there, so I've already lost credibility with a, with, a, with a large amount of people, but I don't care. I just want to know how things work so we can make this planet a better place. And, you know, Mike, you and I wake up every morning just surrounded by beauty, and I just uh, revel every day uh, having another um, play day in God's laboratory, we'll say. So, um, you know, this is very special and we want to make sure that the entire planet becomes heaven on earth and, uh, you know, stops this nonsense out there that's just trying to create destruction and ugliness. So, Dave, um, you know, here's where I come from things. I'm more of a more of function over form. And, you know, I farm, uh, I've done medicine for over 40 years. I have a, my alchemical lab out there. And so we'll really look at, again, those larger patterns. And, you know, hermetic principles have always been my guiding light because there's a real consistency of real science and, um, and uh, just, um, let's just say a natural design that obviously is intelligent. And when you uh, understand the interconnectedness of all the, the different planes and subplanes of the realm, and then here on the ground, model your practical applications and whatever you're doing, it reveals all the solutions and things just work. You know, uh, in school, I had to learn atomic theory and, and uh, little fictitious entities that exist in nature independently, things like gravity. And, you know, all these things are very easy to de debunk. And then when you get into the model that we've been told as far as what our planet is, um, you know, it just really unravels the rest of it because those basic building blocks that I had to learn in school, um, you know, are the linchpin of everything they teach us. Now, um, talking about function, I'm more interested in how things work than actually the shape, because I don't know what shape it's in. But one thing I do know for certain is that, um, you know, the conventional model does not work. It's inconsistent. You can't apply it to any uh, endeavor that would help humanity. And it really keeps us in the dark so many ways. So I want to get to the bottom of it. You know, there's one group out there I just want to give a shout out to because, you know, there's a lot of diversity of uh, opinions um, within the 
uh, globe skeptic community will say, uh, you know, and, and as Dave, as, as you and I were talking earlier, um, it really doesn't matter because we're all coming from a commonality of we're questioning the science. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that makes us, you know, a unified front. Uh, one group that, uh, you know, we've worked with and I really love is FPV Angel because they have connected a lot of dots in the same way that I look at the, the, the realm, we'll say, and they bring in a lot of areas of resilient physics and, and really look at the functional components and are doing a great job of revealing those components and how they work and the fact that it is an intelligent design that we can in fact uh, interject ourselves into what well, we already are, whether we realize it or not, and work with it and you know create the world we want. So that's kind of where I come from. I'm not in uh, what shape is it in is uh, you know kind of dichotomy. It's like how does it work and how we can use those mechanisms, this living technology, you could call it, you know, for our own benefit. Dave, thanks so much. Um, if you could maybe for some of the newbies and maybe some of the folks that think we've lost our mind because now we're entertaining, you know, these kinds of concepts, uh, maybe start with, because you're masterful, it's just going through the nuts and bolts and uh, dispelling a lot of the most common myths. So maybe if you could just hold our hand and uh, start square one with baby steps or however you want to start it off. But thanks again for being here. Hey, that's a great opening, uh, but you said globe three times, so you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, you see how programmed we all are. I, it's amazing. And, and we're all programmed into believing in the globe before we could even talk. You know, your, your parents put mobiles of solar systems above their kids' cribs, right? They're wearing NASA clothes. You If they watch any TV, it's all Sesame Street has astronauts on there. You go to school, your teacher's a god to you when you get to school, and they have a globe in the front of the class. And they give you the first worksheet you take home is on the orbits of the planets, the sun, and the moon. Okay? So this is indoctrination, indoctrination, indoctrination. Because I'm going to jump way forward here. Because if they can convince you that you're spinning out of control, lost in space, in a godless or distant god universe, in this physical you know, place that they want us to believe then you've given up your um, power. You've literally, you're plugged into the matrix. And the analogy I use is Neo in the matrix. At the beginning of the first matrix, he's lost. He's depressed, right? And a lot of people are depressed because they're lost. They don't know what's going on. Their soul knows the truth, but their conscious mind is lost and they can't hear their soul talking because there's so much chatter going on there. The news and all of the crap in the world and all the frequencies and you know, all of the spraying in the sky, all of this stuff together, people are lost. They don't know where they are. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They don't know the power that they have. And I was just listening to um, your last episode and I literally just jumped into the middle. And the first thing I hear, I, I think it was you or one of the guys that said it, um, said that one individual can change the entire world, right? Because we're in this toroidal field. And that, that that's the song that I sang. And it it's, truer than I even realize, you know, I'm coming into my own power and I'm watching other people do it when they wake up. Um, so just going back a little bit, I was doing, I was uh, doing a podcast called deep inside the rabbit hole. That's the uh, name of my YouTube channel, D I T R H, um, which was deep inside the rabbit hole back when YouTube allowed you to talk about real things. And I talked about all, I, I think I had a thing called exposing the big three, New York, Boston, and Connecticut, the school. 
Okay. And I figured if I can just show people these obvious events, they'll wake up to everything. And problem is people just go right back to sleep. They go back to work. They forget about it because it doesn't affect you unless you're right there. But then when I was dragged into flat earth, kicking and screaming, um, I went into debunk it, as you mentioned, and that's how you become a anti-glober or flat earther. Either one I'm okay with. And so when I wake people up to flat earth, that's it. You're done because flat earth affects every single person every day, anywhere on earth. People say, Hey Dave, you know, who are you trying to reach? I say every person. They're like, no, no, no. What's your target market? You know, for, for your message, every single person on earth, because when you wake up to flat earth, I, I use billboards. Like I've done a couple flat earth billboards and they're amazing. A billboard if you have a restaurant, let's say you have a restaurant in Hawaii, would be putting a billboard in Boston or in Connecticut be good? No, useless, right? Because no one would be like, oh, shit, I got to go to Hawaii to go to that freaking restaurant, right? So every billboard on earth, I don't care where it is, they caught the, the way they price them out is by the number of eyeballs. So every billboard is a perfect deal for a flat earth message because it affects every single person. Once you see through the lie, your life changes. First, it's a little rough. 2015, when I started getting to Flat Earth, you mentioned Flat Earth to people, you get ridiculed, you get, you get just, you know, they're like, you jumped a shark, you're, you're an idiot. And uh, now you mentioned Flat Earth and people are like, you know, I've heard something about that. I have a question. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. You know, most of the, more than half of the shows that are booking me now already know the Earth isn't a globe. I have a problem with the globe, right? I'm looking for people that, that don't, you know, that think it's the dumbest thing ever. For those of you listening, if you think I'm crazy, I am crazy. I'm offering three Bitcoins for one globe proof. Not a bad deal. That should keep you around a little longer. And if you think I'm an idiot, you should have one reason, one reason. And if you have one, type it in caps in the chat um, and I will answer it to the best of my ability. And here's the thing. Flat earthers know that they don't know a lot of things. Globers think they know everything and they actually know nothing. Mm, that's a great, great point. Great point. Yeah. yeah. And the triggering, the triggering too of, um, and I'll say Globers, it seems like, man, do they get triggered when you bring up stuff? I got triggered. I banned people from our social media for even suggesting that I look at a flat earth video. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's what you, it's the conditioning, it's the conditioning into the ego of, of, of realizing that, uh, you know, it's just it's such a hard break, right? From the hardcore unconscious conditioning we have since, since a young one, I'm, I'm homeschooling my kids and we're doing kind of a, uh, a half, uh, our own stuff, half, uh, from, a um, a, a schooling online schooling and my kid in third grade spelling this week, what is one of his words for spelling globe? Of course. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Once you see the lie, you, you see it everywhere. Commercials, television shows, everywhere. You know, global network news, globe spinning everywhere. It, it's unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. My daughter is a uh, um, bartender at a big sports bar in New York City. There's a freaking globe up on the top shelf. I'm like, you're, you're trolling me. You're trolling me, right? <laughs> so, but it's a really old globe, and it's got some weird continents on there that, it, that, that don't they look weird. I got I to gotta actually get up there and get it one day. Um, for those of you that think you live on a spinning ball, you live on a ball that's falling, that, that when you watch the sun go down, you're, you think you're falling over backwards faster than the speed of sound. And that's why the sun's going down, right? You're on a spinning ball at the equator. It's going a thousand miles an hour. You're spinning backwards. And that's why the sun goes down. 
whether you believe it or not, if you believe in a globe, that's what you believe. You're orbiting the sun in an elliptical orbit, speeding up and slowing down over the year, right? Around 66,000 miles an hour. You're chasing the sun at a half a million miles an hour. And let me just show you guys probably- well, it's actually have... 66,600, uh, the three sixes, yes, David. Cor correct, correct. Unfortunately, I am having a, an issue and I have, to, I have to quit OBS and come back in a split second. I, I just no problem. Something else. I'm, I'll still be here, but my camera's going to go off. No worries. Um, yeah. This is why I, I don't use OBS. <laughs> I know it's ah. good. It's open source. It's a good thing. You can do a lot with it, but it just seems to glitch out. But that it, uh, it, this is a new thing. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. No refresh. Um, but and yeah. And, and let's get in. I'd love to get into the cosmogony, the Copernican model and how silly it is, because I personally believe that. And then um, and then Bear, I know you want to interject some things, but there are some like really classic questions that can that will be answered today. GPS, yeah. the the spinning of the toilet, south and north hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. We'll, um, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into all that good stuff. I'm, okay. I'm back. So okay. the 66,000 miles an hour is 10 times faster than this. I encourage you to Google on YouTube um, the hypersonic sled track. You'll come up with this and the sound is scary. It goes by so fast. We're orbiting the sun 10 times faster than that. And we're chasing the sun, if you believe in the heliocentric model, a hundred times faster than that, right? But well, that's according to NASA, right? But when you go out into nature, nature doesn't lie. We have lakes that look like this, perfect mirrors, okay? This is impossible on a curving, swirling, corkscrewing, speeding up and slowing down, curved trajectory. People go, well, I've been on an airplane and I could drink a glass of water. I'm like, take the outside of the airplane off, nose that airplane down a mile every two minutes, double the speed, and that's the slowest motion that you're going. And tell me how your water does, okay? So isn't the idea, Dave, though, that's because of gravity and because of gravity. this- yeah, I know. I'm opening up a can of worms there, but yeah, I'm yeah, playing. Yeah. I'm going to be playing devil's advocate a lot here. Please. So, um, yeah. So, isn't the idea too that because we're in a vacuum, this is all the things they say, that we're in a vacuum that um, it has to do with mass and gravity, and that um, that's the lakes aren't affected because there isn't. Um, uh, um, I'm blanking on the inertia isn't affected because we're in that free flow um, vacuum of space. So, I mean, I know they, they explain this in lots of different ways because I've seen these debates a lot on why the lakes, why the lakes aren't swishing around from all and the movement. And, my, and, my and answer they keep to, changing their explanations. My answer to that is cool story, bro, right? <laughs> because it's complete and total nonsense <laughs> when, you, when you actually look at that. So um, here's, you guys know about the three-body problem. Maybe you do. I'll explain it to your audience. So the three-body problem is, you can take the world's best supercomputer. You can say, all right, I got a sun. It's got this much mass. And I got a planet. It's got this much mass. And you put it into orbit, and the computer will predict what it's going to do forever. No problem. Works great. You could probably do it on a regular PC. But then you add in a moon, another, a moon or another planet, and the entire thing goes into chaos mode, and no computer can figure out what it's going to do next. But meanwhile, our sun, a burning ball of gas, in a vacuum, that's a problem, okay? It's holding on to all of the planets, that, you know, holds on to Pluto, Jupiter, Neptune, right? It holds on to them, but somehow, you know, we're closer to the sun, 
we're holding on to the moon, but the sun ignores the moon. Like when the moon comes around the earth towards the sun, don't you think the sun would speed it up? And when it goes back around away, don't you think it would slow down a little bit? Don't you think the sun's gravity would pull on the moon a little bit? Well, here's this, here's why it doesn't because the sun only has planetary gravity and the, and the planets have moon gravity. I'm making this shit up because that's really the only way you can explain it. <laughs> right. So it, none of it makes sense. Just a couple of weeks ago, a month ago, we had a, an alignment, all of the planets lined up, right? Don't you think all of that gravity would do something, tug something out of place, right? Nothing goes out of place. We can predict where everything's going to be forever, right? And, 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 the, and the systems repeat. I mean, when you, um, you know, we know when these alignments are going to happen. We know when eclipses are going to happen. Right. So before we get all, before I go off of that, let's talk about gravity a little bit. So what is gravity? Well, science, you know, science changed it. When you're talking about the water before Neil deGrasse Tyson, the failed actor who claims to be a physicist, he says that the, the spinning of the earth, the water bulges at the equator, 14 miles high. I used to think that was the coolest thing ever. And like, it makes perfect sense. We're spinning. Of course, the water is going to bulge. But how come when I at 14 miles high, an airplane flies, maybe five miles high. How come when I fly from America to South America, I don't climb an extra 10 miles, triple my height to skim over a hump of water? Okay. I, you guys, have you guys ever witnessed that? Yeah. And, 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 and do boats, do boats have to factor that in too when they're? Yeah, well, they're boats, yeah. If you're going to go south, you know, you got to climb that hump and that would be uphill. But, but I guess this, the, the centrifugal force would kind of push you up the hill. So it washes out. But here's the problem. You can hold a plumb bob anywhere over the ocean and it's going to be at a right angle to the rest of calm water. It would be at an angle if you had a 14 mile friggin' mountain, 14 mile mountain of water. Well, and also if you take into that consideration, that means there's a, 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 an incline slowly from the very beginning. So it's always, it's going up. It can't just go like this. So when right. bridges are engineered, they never factor in. Well, we'll talk about curvature in a little bit. Yeah, they don't yeah. factor in curvature and they don't factor in any rise. It's always straight. So real quick, what is gravity, right? Well, they've changed it. We had Newtonian gravity, and then they changed it to Einsteinian bending of the fabric of space. The fabric of space, right? And they show <laughs> us a, a, a trampoline with a ball on it, and they roll some, some balls around. Oh, cool experiment, but why doesn't it go up or sideways? You know, where's the fabric? Why is the fabric always down here? How come it's not over here, over here, over here, over here? Okay, it's all, it's, it's actually just pseudoscience nonsense. So what is gravity? Well, the Earth, as you know, doesn't move, as you, I assume you know. And the Earth has a, a testable, scientifically provable negative charge to it, period. It's got a negative charge to it. You can stick an electrode into the ground and measure it, okay? The atmosphere, the dome, if you will, if there's a dome, I think there's a dome, but we can talk about that. The atmosphere is positively charged. When you leave the Earth and raise up, there's voltage in the air, and you're inside this positive field. Because you're in that positive field, the negative charge says down is this way, and it's a weak force, just like they say gravity is a weak force. Okay. And it says down is this way, right? If we all point down right now, I don't care if you're in Australia, uh, north, south, doesn't matter. Down is down. Up is up, right? Down is not up in Australia. Down is down. It's the same as my down because Australia isn't down there. Australia is over there. Okay. Across the plane. And we can, we can prove this. So buoyancy and density stored everything else out after that. If I had a handful of rocks, a helium balloon and ping pong balls, and I held them over a pool and opened my hand, 
the, the helium balloon is going to go up because it's less dense than the air. The air pressure is going to push it up. Okay. The rocks and the ping pong balls are going to fall through the air because they're more dense than the air. The ping pong balls will sit on top of the water because they're less dense than the water and the rocks will go to the bottom because they're more dense. That's it. Okay. It's, it's really, really simple. So how can we, um, how can we test this theory? Right. Um, you, you guys probably have seen these little tin foils, got a little electrode on it. We crank a negative charge into it. And what does it do? It goes up away from the negative charge of the earth because we're overwhelming it. Right. We're keeping a negative charge in it while it's in the air. We've also done an experiment where we had a Van der Graaff generator and we had a, a wire going to just uh, like it was a metal button and we had a helium balloon holding it. So it was kind of just floating right above the floor. It was just neutrally floating, got the wire in it. And then we crank up the charge in the button with a positive charge and it got heavier and went down just by changing the charge. It went down. So what does that lean you towards? Is it towards because gravity is pulling it down or because it's a, this is an electromagnetic system we live in? The only true forces we have are electricity and magnetism. Yeah, yeah. absolutely true, Dave. And all living things um, are, you know, in my opinion, the evidence shows we're all toroidal fields. Every cell in our body are positive cells. And the Earth being a live organism, in my opinion, hundred percent, uh, I'm with you. I'm with uh, is a living thing. So you have to have a positive and a negative. And even in the practice of medicine and agriculture, we use that understanding to make things work on the ground and work with those natural forces. And what we're really talking about, if you go beyond just volumes and densities, as far as the the gravity myth, you're really talking about pressure differentials, which goes more into the electrical model that explains everything you're saying right i mean you have to believe that gravity is holding cruise ships upside down in australia trillions and trillions of tons of water you know but i can stand here and hold my arms up and butterflies can fly and um it, it, on a spinning ball the the absurdity of the globe model is embarrassing at this point i mean i like how did i ever believe this believe this and it's because the foundation of my world was built around it OK, everything is about, you know, being on a globe, everything. And when you have that foundation, um, it's really hard to unpack everything. And what but once you do everyone, every single flat earther that I know, once you unpack it, however painful that is, life just gets better because you're literally unplugging from the matrix. You're taking back your true power. When you wake up to the true reality of this realm that we live in, and I, and I, I know that you were talking about different layers and FP, FPV angel. Um, I'm a friend. Of, I, I think you had Santos on here also, right? Yep. Yeah, Santos, did. Santos. I love his story, his layers. You know, we got a heavenly non-physical realm above us, maybe a denser hell below, a denser level below us. Maybe that's hell. Maybe that's heaven. I don't know. All right. I can't go there. I can only talk about this realm that we're in, this physical realm that we're in right now. And, you know, we're here having an experience um, in this realm. And I believe our, our job here is to exp expand the mind of God. This, our soul is the currency of this world. Okay. It's a spark of the creator. And we're here to experience this world, to, to um, you know, see the beauty of this creation and to help others. That's what we're here for. And, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be here. And I believe that we chose uh, to be here at this time. We yeah, say uh, that. Dave, we say just that a quick time. comment. 
Yeah, just a quick comment. Um, you know, there are ways, and, and I do some of this work uh, with radiation and other technologies where we do actually measure planes and subplanes, just the way Santos is uh, explaining. And then, of course, uh, in alignment with the old hermetic principles, every living thing has to be an exact duplicate, large and small, of the same exact design. So how would the earth be any different? And just to clarify for some people, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't think you're talking about a tabletop floating in outer space either, are you? Absolutely not. See, that they, they've, they've trained us to believe that we're, you know, uh, the flat earth is a disc in space. That's, you know, and then the, 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 the ice wall is from Game of Thrones, you know, where you can piss off the end of the earth, as the little guy said. That's not true at all. The ice wall is just the shoreline of our ocean, right? So, so how does that work? So the way, I, the way, the way it is, they tell us that, um, that Antarctica is the highest land on Earth. They tell us it's a continent at the bottom of a ball. It's 13,000 miles in circumference, and it's the highest land on Earth. And I always found that interesting. Um, maybe that's why it's at the bottom of the ball, because it's heavier, because it's higher. You know, it makes the ball wobbly, right? So, but then again, that doesn't make any sense if you believe their gravity story. So it's the highest land on earth because large bodies of water at rest need a container. Don't believe me? Go to a pond and dig out a trench of the edge of the pond, make it lower than the pond and tell me what happens to the water. The water will go, when it rains, water goes to the low point and creates a puddle. The edge of that puddle is where the land is higher than the water, okay? So our world pond, all of the oceans, is held in by this land that we call Antarctica, right? It's the shoreline of our world, right? And people go, well, show me a picture of the ice wall. That just shows that you're lazy and you need me to hold your hand um, because there's a billion, not a billion, there's millions of pictures and videos of the shoreline of Antarctica. And most of it is an elevated plane. This is huge. Like a cruise ship would be way down here. This is like 200 feet tall. Okay, so this is the Antarctic plane. Um, and what is out there? I don't know. There's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of stories, but we're not allowed to independently travel out there. Right. What do you mean? You know, people go to Antarctica all the time. Right. The you know, but the problem is there's a treaty. The treaty was built in 1959 and all the countries have signed on since then. And nobody can explore Antarctica independently until the year 20. You can't even question it until the year 2041 or 43, it doesn't matter. Um, you can't question it. And the reason that they claim is because we have to protect the penguins and the ice, the pristine ice. It's the last pristine spot on earth, okay? Meanwhile, I was watching a, uh, a Ad Bird ex exploration video, 1957 or eight or whatever. And the announcer, you know, in the old style, he's talking this and that, and why are there, the ship encounters a pod of uh, so-and-so whales, you know, and it goes, each one of them containing over $2,000 worth of oil, okay? I mean, environmentalism wasn't even a word back then. And then we shut this place down. So the, answer, the, 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 the reason is because if we were allowed to independently explore Antarctica, if we still had airships, which they demonized with the Zeppelin, and everything else, and NASA took control of all the helium in the world, um, we could easily go explore and find out that uh, this realm is not what they're telling us. It's not a ball. That's crazy. What's out there? You know, what's beyond Antarctica? What's beyond? Um, and this is good for those people that believe in aliens. We're going to, we're going to extraterrestrials. We're going to 
take that and make it real. I'm going to make extraterrestrials real. Okay. So if we live in the inner space, in the inner part, that's not what I'm looking for. Um, if we live, so we live in our, in our pond, right? Here we go. What if beyond the shoreline of Antarctica, there was another ring around us, right? And I'll explain that we can get into it in a little bit about how, how there could be another sun out here. Well, this would be extra land. What would you call another word for land? Territory, extra territory. If you lived out here in the extra territory and you came to visit me in here, what might I call you? Extraterrestrial. From where? From other territories. Outer space. The outer oh, yeah. space. Oh, I got it. The outer space. Now, this is just a couple thousand miles. That makes sense. You could even do it in a conventional aircraft. You don't even need the hidden technology, free energy technology that they've hidden from us, right? So there are stories, you know, if you read the Iron Republic, uh, whether that story is true or not, in the 1800s, people were talking about land beyond Antarctica, okay? Land in the outer realm, right? If you know the story of the Iron Republic, it's a... Uh, uh, people in the 1600s were tired of tyranny and they decided to defect and go to the outer lands and start a whole new um, advanced civilization out there. Whole nother story. Makes sense. Believing in aliens coming from other stars, right? They don't teach you to think like this. I'm going to walk you guys through this. The closest star, do you know what it is? Alpha Centauri, you know how far it is? Uh, closest well, star, according to NASA, 25 trillion miles away, four and a half light years. The light takes light four and a half years to get to us from Alpha and Centauri. And people go, you know, it, we don't, the stars aren't really there. It's the light that traveled, right? But you forget about the inverse square law of light. Light gets dimmer and dimmer exponentially every time you double the distance. It's only a quarter of the brightness. So four and a half light years. Okay. 25 trillion miles. So if I put you in a spaceship and you're traveling a mile per second, which is faster than any human has ever gone, a mile per second, and you traveled for one trillion seconds, how many miles have you gone? Very easy, one trillion miles, right? So if you traveled for one trillion seconds, you've gone one trillion miles. You're one twenty-fifth of the way to the closest star. You with me? Well, not to mention too, when you're traveling at those speeds, what's to stop you from colliding into debris let's, to- <laughs> Let's forget about that. Space is empty and you're not gonna hit anything. Right. You're one twenty-fifth of the way there. How, do you guys know how long one trillion seconds is? Have you ever done the math? No, but I'm sure it's 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 take, th take hundreds guess. of thousands of years. No, it's not. It's thirty one thousand years. Okay. Okay. Thirty one thousand years, and you're one twenty fifth of the way there. Okay. So, and the idea that we can see something that far away is insane. If um if if the sun was right right over our heads it would look like this. Then you move it away and it gets smaller. Why does it get smaller? Because it's going farther away, right? So the sun is 93 million miles away, they tell us. It's the size of a coin held at arm's length, right? So it reduced from the entire sky if I had the sun like cloud height over us. It would just fill your entire sky horizon to horizon. Move it 93 million miles away, it's now the size of a coin, right? You with me? Mm -hmm. If I doubled the distance, how much smaller does it get? If I tripled the distance, it's scientifically provable that it's angular size. Forget the brightness issue, right? Because the brightness would just be getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. At three times the distance, its angular size is scientifically provable too small to see, 
right? Let's just be safe. 24 times as far. 24 times as far is three light hours. Our sun at three light hours away is magnitudes farther than our eye could possibly see it. That's not an argument. This is a fact, okay? Now, all of us in the North here, we can see Polaris. They tell us Polaris is 46, 48 times bigger than the sun. So that would be six light days away because three hours times 48 times bigger is six light days. Polaris, if it was six light days away, would also be impossible to see. Six light days away. Scientifically provable. They tell us Polaris is 433 light years away and we can see it with our naked eyes. This is just people's inability to process information, process large numbers and actually think rather than just believe because the liar in a bow tie told them. Yeah, lack, uh, <laughs> lack of logic there for sure. Well, this is the problem. They didn't teach you to think like this in school. Half the people listening, no offense, because it happened to me. You're like, oh, I, I have these, the big numbers I lost. I, I'm, I'm lost. People don't bother. This is so simple. The math is so simple, but nobody ever really does the math, right? If I held a penny here, you can see the penny, but if I moved it uh, 150 yards away, you can't see it. It's angular size is too small, okay? It's the same thing with these ridiculous distances. So, well, also, Extra David, doesn't Pol Polaris is the North Star, right? It never moves. It's it's it always it, there. It, right, right. It's like so the weird anomaly star, too, on top of that. Right. So we're, we're corkscrewing through space. We're traveling 4.4 million miles a year, okay? Um, and somehow, Polaris stays exactly where it is. You guys are familiar with the Georgia Guidestones, right? Oh, yeah. So yes. are you familiar with the hole in the Georgia Guidestones? No. Oh, there's yeah. Little, yeah. Tell us about that. There's a little hole. And when you look through it, guess what's there? Only the, thing that could be there. The Polaris. North Star. <laughs> yeah. And so you do a time lapse. Um, you get you get these circles around it. OK. How is that possible? We're corkscrewing through space. We're traveling four and a half billion miles every year. By the time they finished drilling that hole, Polaris should have moved. OK. In this beehive, insane solar system. Right, disproving the globe is so friggin' easy. It's so there, far like, away, Dave. It's so far so, away, and it's so it, big. It's so far away, and it's so big, and there's no parallax over time. And meanwhile, forty thousand years ago, we had a different north star, and in forty thousand years from now, we're gonna have Thubin or whatever is gonna be our north star. But we just happen to live at the time where Polaris is right in the north star. Right? We just lucky enough to live, you know, in eighty thousand years in in a few years. But guess what? It hasn't moved. It should move a degree or two in the last 70, a degree, like in 70 years. And it would be way out, way out a degree. That's huge. Okay. It's still there's there. It's a, been up for over 40 years. And there's also yeah. a lot of information coming from uh, ancient cultures through scriptures and so forth that also uh, put it in the same exact spot. So we have a little bit of chat going on. You know, people say, well, if it's not a globe, then what is it? And, and you know, my thoughts is, well, that's what we're trying to figure out. And, uh, you know, when we're programmed into this kind of mental state of, you know, finite beginnings and ends, you know, of course, it's hard to think in larger terms. Uh, you know, when it comes to curvature and things like that, you know, we don't even have to get into math uh, that you're suggesting because just a little bit of critical thought with our own observation can disprove a lot of these things. Uh, you know, one experience I had 
when I was uh, doing my flight training, uh, you know, when we went up at a certain point, the instructor would put a big piece of cardboard over the instrument panel because he wanted us to fly, learn how to fly on horizon only. So I spent a lot of good numbers just uh, staring out at the horizon. And we were, you know, from a pretty high altitude and we're in Hawaii. So I was able to look over land masses, uh, you know, the large uh, 10,000 foot volcanoes, uh, you know, the, the whole horizon of the, uh, the ocean. And that I should have been able to see some curvature, I would imagine, from that height, but I never did. It just looked pretty uniform to me. So, uh, you know, how do we resolve that? Yeah, so the problem is they keep moving the globe posts. This is 120,000 feet, 120 or 27, whatever it is. And it's flat and it's not moving. It's not spinning out from underneath me. Okay. David, can you explain where that came from for those that don't know? This is just a balloon that we, that was sent up, uh, you know, and it hung out for, you know, until it popped. Um, it doesn't seem like these balloons would go over 127,000 feet. It's the highest that I known that they got. Maybe, you know, Maybe they've gotten stuff up higher, but I haven't seen it. Here's the thing. If you're on an airplane, right? Next time you're on an airplane, you're flying maybe 39,000 feet. Look out left window, look out the right window. Uh, the horizon's right there. Draw a line between those horizons. It's going to come right across your eyes, right? But according to Globe Math, that, that horizon should be 78,000 feet below you. 78,000 feet below you. You can't fathom 78,000 feet. You'd be scared to death on an airplane at 78,000 feet. But on a globe, the farther out you go, the more the drop. On a, air, on, a, on a flat earth, the plane just keeps on going until you can't see through the atmosphere anymore. The higher you go, the farther you can see because you're getting above that atmosphere and you're increasing your angle um, to the horizon on the flat plane. But on a globe, the higher you got, the lower things should drop down. Yeah, can you explain real quick the math of the curvature in terms of the square per mile, how many inches per mile? Because that it, it, it's very obvious once you understand the simple math, <laughs> like how everybody should see curvature and we don't. Right. So on, um, so the 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 equation is eight inches per mile squared. Now, uh, experience globe. Uh, um, and this is dog. This is dogma, by the way, David. Right. This is dogma by current mainstream science like this is what they say the size of the earth is there's no argument there with with most of mainstream science yeah so there's a couple of different formulas but eight inches per mile squared basically at one mile the drops eight inches but we're, we're not living on a plank right it gets farther it drops farther and farther two miles you got to square the miles two times two is four times eight is 32 inches at three miles it's six feet according to globe math it's six feet now no glober will even argue with that what they will argue with at a certain point that becomes, it, it turns in on itself and it, it doesn't work. It's true. The formula is only good for the first thousand miles, maybe even a little farther, but we don't need it for a thousand miles. We need it for 10 miles, 50 miles, hundred miles, 500 miles. Um, and the, the math doesn't work at all. So where is, um, I had a, I had a video. So we can see too far, right? You guys know that we can see too far. A, a ball earth requires a, a um, physical horizon at whatever distance. A six-foot-tall person standing at the edge of water should have a physical horizon um, that they see. Just like this hallway has a physical horizon. I can't see past this, right? 
So if I turn this hallway on its side, we'll pretend this is the curve of the earth. Now, if I walk to the other side of that and I disappeared, I don't care how strong your zoom lens is. You can't bring me back in. I'm gone because I'm behind a physical curve. A, a flat earth requires a optical horizon, right? You're going away, things getting smaller and smaller. And when the sky meets the ground, that's as far as you can see. That's your optical horizon. Get a zoom lens, increase that angular size. Now you can see farther and you bring it farther and farther away until it closes down. So, you know, that's, that's shows you that the horizon that we see is optical you with me. Yeah. So people say, well, what about, what about, um, what about, um, buildings, bottoms yeah. of buildings missing bottoms of buildings missing. So, and this is a famous one from the beach. You can't see this building at all, but with a P 1000 super zoom camera, you can zoom in and you can see the whole building, not the whole building, which the building floors is that, are missing. David? Which this is a, off of a Florida beach. I forget. I forget where okay. it is. So they're um, looking across but, uh, ocean here. They're looking across ocean, and and the building is you can't see it with your naked eye because its angular size is too small. But when we zoom in, we can see it. The problem is the bottom floors are missing. Now the Glober will say that's because it's going behind the curve. But if you look, use your mind, lose your brains. These balconies are all the same height, but you can see that they're getting compressed compressed, 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 and they're literally getting compressed into the horizon and you can't see them. The angular, uh, if you do a line from your eye to here, the angular, the angle is, you know, 89.9 degrees, but up here you have maybe five degrees, right? So you can see the top of a building, but you can't see the bottom of a building. Okay. Now, why is the bottom missing? Besides atmospheric compression, you have these waves in the foreground. Now, if my face was the building, and this is a wave. Can my finger cover half of my face? No, it's too small. But there's waves in the foreground, right? And those waves look like they're at eye level and they can block a city which got smaller in the background. Mm. Right? Now, look, did you see my hand? Watch, my hand is bigger than my finger, but the entire hand gets hidden behind my finger. How is that possible? It's perspective. perspective. Yeah, they don't teach you this in school. They don't teach you how this works. And so there's several reasons why things disappear. Have you guys seen my um, my sunset uh, flat earth kitchen? Oh, I, I think, yes, I have. Uh, no, show us. All right. So this line is level. Would you agree? Well, Looks level. Yeah. And I proved the level in the video. And we're watching it from an elevated point of view. So a celestial point of view. And this is my sun. I'm following the path of the sun. And now this could be a city skyline, mountains, or it could just be the cloud deck, an opaque atmospheric deck. And we never drop below it. Now I got a camera on the counter, which is down lower than this thing on the far end. And we're watching it go away again. And now if I show you this line first, I'd say, is this level? And you'd say, no, it's sloping down. And I'd say, is this sun going below this horizon that looks like it's at camera level. And you'd say, yes, it is. Now, when I zoom in and look at this line, this is a level line and this thing is not going below it. And this is not at the eye level. It's higher in the air, but it appears to be an eye level. Now here's a real sunset. And here is my simulated sunset. Look what's going on here. It's not going behind this horizon. It's going behind this horizon, that horizon. You see this thickness in the atmosphere. Here, that's what I call the atmospheric deck of opacity. 
right? It's just where the atmosphere becomes so thick, the sun just goes beyond it. And it looks just like that. Follow? Yep. Yeah, it's, just, pers it's just perspective. And it's just it's, perspective. So if you yeah. had if you had and a zoom lens, you could track that sun and keep tracking uh, in no, th theoretically. No, 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 no. So let me let me explain. When I zoom out, this false horizon merges with this false horizon, and you can't even see the difference. So if you're looking at this sunset from the beach, it just looks like it's going behind the curve. It looks like it's going behind the curve because that's what you were programmed to believe. Okay. So when the sun goes, when a celestial object goes beyond um, the atmospheric deck of opacity, it's gone and you can't zoom in because it's opaque. Now, on the, if I'm looking at a boat and the boat disappears into the horizon, let me see, um, hold on a second. Let me just change the video here. Um, if the boat goes, where is my boat? sailboat where's my sailboat um if the boat goes and disappears it gets compressed but if you from a terrestrial point of view you can zoom in and open that up and you can see it again okay i know where it is um i don't totally, yeah i don't totally understand that and i do have a question too about the sun model that you propose why we don't see the sun then turning because i guess your model yeah, we was we actually do see it turning i'll get into that in a moment okay so right out here you can't see a boat right but we're zooming in so we're taking our, our horizon and we're adding angular size to it and as we add angular size all of a sudden there's a boat there okay because we're increasing the angular size now as i zoom away which is the same as the boat going away You'll watch the little waves are going to block the bottom half of the boat and it's going to block the whole boat. And then the whole thing just becomes too small to see. Now a glober would say that that is, um, that is earth curvature, but it's not, I just proved that it's not We're we're, we're seeing beyond, uh, this optical horizon. So, um, and, and so, you know, as things move away, so this is interesting. Here's these little army guys and they got their foundation here, but you can't see their legs. Half their legs are gone here when we zoom out because the angular size to this part is less than the angular size to the higher parts. You know, Dave, um, uh, somebody who does a wonderful discourse, number of discourses on perception is Walter Russell. And he really goes through and details out how our whole experience is a programmed uh, um, interpretation of our senses and uh, that's all we're experiencing here so of course if somebody takes over the interpretation uh, you know for us then we're going to see exactly what they want us to see right so let me let me go back to this video here so here we have a boat and as we zoom out let it play as we zoom out it gets smaller and smaller and smaller now these are terrestrial objects being viewed but if i can stop it you see this cloud deck here, this cloud deck. So I live in Connecticut and I look up and there's cumulus clouds in the sky and all the clouds are sitting on a flat deck. It's clear. But if I look over at New York City, 25 miles away, the clouds are literally touching the water, but I know they're not touching the water. Okay. But that's how I see them. All right. So this cloud deck becomes opaque. When I look up, I can see blue sky in between the clouds. But when I look over there, 
The clouds are kind of lining up, blocking the blue sky. And by the time they get to my eye level, I can't see through them because it's just too much. It's all compressed. So anything celestial above them that moves away, it literally just, it moves. Here's that cloud deck. This looks like an eye level horizon, but it's really five or 10,000 feet in the air. And as the, as the sun just goes away, it goes behind it. And this looks like um, it's eye level. Let me, let me show you one more example and it'll drive this home. Um, sunsets, here we go. Sunset, where's my... Wow. One quick question, Dave. Theoretically then, according to the model that you propose, would you, if you could have like the most insane zoom ever, if you just kept zooming, you would eventually see the wall. The you would not see true, Antarctica. not true, because we can't. That I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay. So here I am looking up at this cloud that's directly over my head, and I draw a line, a string from my eye to the cloud, and it's up there. But as I look into the distance, 25, 30 miles, 40 miles, whatever it is, these clouds on the deck um, get lower and lower. So if I drew a line from my eye to this distant cloud, from my point of view, that string is going straight across the water. It's kind of level with the water. Are you with me? Right, that's how I see it. Now imagine you were standing underneath this cloud and could see the string. Would you see a string going level across the water, six feet off the water? No, you wouldn't. What you would see is a line going from five or 10,000 feet, however high those clouds are, going back to my eye, right? You would see a line sloping down from the cloud, but that's not what I see, okay? So this is level to the water for me. So when the sun moves away, this is what I see, right? Here comes my sun. Where's my sun? It's coming. Oh, here we go. So bring it a little far. All right, so here's my sun. It's going away. This cloud, from my point of view, is on the horizon. So the sun just moves beyond it, right? So as it goes away, and when it goes beyond this, I can't see the bottom of it. I can't see, and it just goes away. And then what's, this is what's really happening from your point of view. From my point of view, this is what I actually say. That, that's from... The guy standing under the cloud, that's what he would say. But this is my point of view. And as the sun goes away, it would just go away. It would go down and then it would disappear behind that cloud deck. That's how we see. And I think this is the horizon, but it's literally just perspective bringing everything together. Crappy animation, and but you know, it, it gives you the point. <laughs> This kind of inspection also isn't anything new, you know, uh, questioning curvature and, and that sort of thing. You know, it's been going on for a long time. I think there's, I forget the guy's name, but a British researcher who did an experiment with a telescope in a, in a canal that was 26 miles long. And it was he six got miles long, Robotham, six, six miles. It was the, it was okay. um, the uh, Bedford level experiment, but we've redone that. Um, okay, we had yeah. a, a team go to a lake in, uh, I don't know, where was it? In uh, somewhere way up north and uh, shoot a laser beam across the lake and they could see it for you know, 20, 30 miles. I forget the exact distances. And they can see the source of the laser and it's right there, it's level. You have to believe that but the laser other... is fed. 
Yeah, my only point was this experiment was done a long time ago. I don't know, maybe even the 1800s. So people yeah. have been questioning this for a long time. You know that there's been numerous experiments to prove the rotundity of the Earth and the, and the rotation of the Earth, and they've all failed. But you don't learn about those in school. They wipe those out from the, the textbooks. And Mickelson-Morley experiment, the Aries failure, um, all of them, every time they try to test for rotation, you know, movement, of the earth, uh, it doesn't work. Now people go, what about, you know, the behind the curve on Netflix? Um, the, you know, they proved the rotation that they had a ring laser gyro and it did detect about 15 degrees of rotation. And they're like, huh, that's interesting. You know, that's really interesting, but they had to test it. So what they did is they brought it up to altitude on a mountain in Denver and they tested it again. And the rotation was different speed. Well, if we're on a spinning ball, I don't care how high you are on that ball or how low, there should be 15 degrees of rotation per hour. It was different. That proves that it's the ether that was spinning and not the earth. But Netflix didn't include that in their documentary, in their mockumentary. Yeah, and ether is uh, probably the most important element we should all be concerned with. But, you know, right. of course, that doesn't even exist in according to modern science. So is this a good time to interject some words about NASA possibly? Uh, one more second. So, so people say, you know, if you have a super zoom camera, you can zoom in and see the ice wall. And the answer is you can't because the atmosphere, even on the clearest of days is thick, right? And light doesn't travel forever. Here's a light on a wall and it only lights up this local area. Now add atmosphere in there and it's gonna block the light. So here's an um, uh, experiment that I did. Um, it's with, um, I, I have my drone up at, uh, on a super clear, super cold day, okay? So I'm watching and I had, the sun was up here and in 10 minutes, in five minutes time, it went down, down, down. Now, if we're spinning, it should just keep on going, but it didn't. It went down, 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 and it stopped and it sat there for 10 minutes. Now, my friends at the beach saw the sunset from the bottom up. 10 minutes earlier, I'm still looking at the sun and it stopped. This is super sped up. Okay. And what happens? It's literally just fading into the thickness of the atmosphere. It's gone. Mm. Not CGI filmed it seven different times. Did a live stream of it. Not fake. Okay. I'm just going back and forth here, right? It's not going down game over. We're not on a spinning ball. Okay. The optics of the sky are no way to prove the shape of the earth, but we're not on a spinning ball. And I just proved it right there. Oh, that's super trippy. For those that are listening on the podcast, highly recommend you watch this video uh, either on our YouTube or it'll be on Odyssey. Hopefully this stays up on uh, DoucheTube. So far, and we haven't said anything except yeah. we were talking about chem oh, yeah. lines. Yes, 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 yes. They don't like that. They don't like that. So your we I, I your model um, you know basically is and I love what Crow calls it as a sky clock. It makes so much sense because as you said, there's no parallax with the stars. Everything's always been the same. You know, uh, classic uh, cosmology. They have to uh, you know even admit this um, that uh, there is a, specifically the seasons and everything. It's always the same where the stars are in the northern and southern hemisphere. But you're saying that you can see. So your model is that the sun is going around like a clock. There you go. So you, you said that we you have been able to prove or at least see that the sun is turning. Yeah, so the sky is a clock. You know, they gave us clocks. Well, what is clocks based on? Well, 
the clock is the the sky is the clock. The sun is the hour hand. And when they gave us clocks, they're like, hey, let's make it go around twice a day. So they never figure out that they're on a flat plane. Right. You know, they, 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 they they're messing with it. They've hijacked our time. They've hijacked our calendar. But I've gone like when the sun's right here, I've called my friend PK up in Australia. And I'm like, where's the sun? And what time is it? And he's like, well, it's five of 12 and it's directly above me. That's on December 21st when he's in Sydney, right? The sun moves out to this outer yellow line um, uh, on January 21st. And then six months later, it moves in June, June 21st. It's over the inner line, which is the Tropic of Cancer. Now, it's hot in Miami. Why? Sun's directly above Miami. It's hot in Mexico. Sun's directly above Mexico. It's colder in Australia. Sun's farther away. The sun never gets far enough away from Alaska where it ever actually sets in June because it's always close enough. It's not getting far enough away. Okay. So that's how seasons work. Now think about this. If, um, if you and I were sitting outside 20 feet apart and it's freezing cold, there's snow on the ground. And I hold, uh, somebody comes over and holds a heat lamp 10 feet, 15 feet over your head, a big heat lamp. You'd be like, ah, and you feel the heat radiating down on you. And that's, you point straight up and go, that's my sun. That's my summer sun. Now, if they kept it at the same height, and walked over to me, what I'll see is that sun that's down there rising, rising, rising. Now it's over me. I feel the heat and you'd look at it. It's down farther away. Just like here, where are you guys located? Are you in the Northeast here or North or where are you? No, we're in the P lower PNW. Yeah, PNW. Okay, so for people in the North, the sun is farther, it's out South. It's out South. It's lower in the sky. Just like we see, um, you know, when you look at streetlights going down the road, they're lower and farther away. The streetlight that's right over your head is, um, is, is your summer sun and the one farther down is your winter sun. So here we go. Just looking at streetlights and the path of the sun kind of looks like the same thing to me. And then it merges into this atmospheric deck of opacity and it's gone. I'm just wondering because it's the locality of this model, why we don't see more turn in the air and in, in okay. the sky uh, during the day. Yeah. Good, 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 good question. So, we only see, I believe that we see what I, in what I call our personal atmospheric dome. When I watch the sunrise down Long Island Sound, it literally looks like it's maybe 50 miles away. I think that the sun that I see manifests in this realm 50, 60 miles away. Call it 100, okay? And then it passes over me, and then it sets another 100 miles away. So it's entail the entire path is just 200 miles. Now, in the summer... I could see the sun rise over here and it sets over here. Well, that's a curved path. In the winter, it follows a more straight line because it's making a bigger circle. There's less curve that I see. Yep. Right. But people, people, people have the problem. They go, well, if this is true, the sun during December has to go a lot faster than it's going in June. That's absolutely true. And one of the, one of the, the ways you can, that you really can't explain on a globe, 40 degrees north and 40 degrees south should have the same thing six months apart. But here in June in Connecticut, the sun sets, it's light for another 90 minutes to two hours because the sun is close. It's going slower and it's curving. It's not going a, a fastest way to get away is in a straighter line, but it's curving. So we have light for another 90 minutes to two hours. Okay. 
but equal latitude. I don't know if it's exactly equal latitude, but like places in mid Africa. So, um, when, uh, during six months later, so in December, when the sun sets five minutes later, it's pitch black. Why is that? Cause the sun is racing away and it's going in a more straight line too, because it's, it's less of an arc. So it's racing away. We should have the same light and dark six months apart, but we don't. We have a 24 hour sun in June in, uh, in Alaska and Norway, but we do not have a 24 hour sun in Antarctica. We have 24 hours of light dusk because daylight. This, in this model, the Southern section is, has a larger circumference. Correct. Versus as you get more northern in this model, it gets tighter and tighter. So when you see the summer uh, date, uh, summer up at the North Pole, you can literally track around in a circle and follow the sun. It never because totally that, sets. because wherever you are, you know, you're here. The distance to the sun is, you know, this. And then like when it's over here, it's not that much farther. It never gets far enough away. The only reason the sun sets is due to perspective and distance, distance and perspective. Right. So when you're in Alaska, in June, it never gets near you. And then when it's out here in the Tropic of Capricorn, it never gets close enough to Alaska to even come in its view. So there's no light in Alaska. The sun never rises, right? And as it comes back in, you know, when the sun's over here, it's close enough to Alaska to give them some light. They have a short day and then the sun is racing around and it's gone, okay? So it's totally different in Alaska than it is in Antarctica. And think about this. Anybody inside the Tropic of Cancer is in the Arctic region. We'll call that the Arctic region. And anybody outside of the Tropic of Capricorn, we'll call that the Antarctic region. Make sense? Make sense. So if you're here inside, let me speed this up so you can get a better feel. If you're inside the Tropic of Cancer, what's the sun doing? It's arcing around you. Would you agree with that? The Arctic. And if you're mm -hmm. out here, Outside of Capricorn, is the sun arcing around you or is it coming to and away, Antarcting? No, Antarctic. Wow. So, Dave, um, within the community, you know, there's uh, various maps out there, you know, that people adhere to. Can you tell us how uh, you came about using this particular map? Well, this is, a, this is the Gleason's map, essentially, that I'm showing you. And mm -hmm. we've done it, like, when the sun is, um, you know, if the sun is right here, I'll call my buddy Iru and I'll ask him where the sun is. Mm -hmm. He's down in Santiago and he'll be like, it's directly over my head. And we verified mm -hmm. it. So it's pretty damn accurate. Is it correct? Well, it's way better than the globe. Again, this realm, the way we see the sun is, is, uh, is, is <laughs> it's, it's no way to prove the shape of the earth. And do I have a perfect map? You know, um, there's interesting ways to look at this world. There, there really, really are. But I'm a fan of the circle map. I'm open to other suggestions. But the circle map, you know, we've had guys up in Alaska go up and film the 24-hour sun. They've seen it, you know. Uh, there's no question. There's enough witnesses. But there's nobody getting the 24-hour sun in, in the Antarctic. It is interesting they used a similar map in World War II for actual strategic um absolutely you know, uh planning and they didn't use a globe question though it comes up a lot um and you know like magellan crossing the globe quote unquote globe right um how does that work with this map for those who have supposedly gone or started here went east and ended up back where they were all the way around 
Uh, explain that with this, because I think that's something that people ask a lot and are confused. Yeah, so it's very, very simple. And this is a video called Circumnavigation for Dummies. The, the center is the magnetic north. I got a magnet here and I got a compass. See the needle is pointing towards the north. Now I'm trying to push this compass west. What do I have to keep doing? To make that needle stay to the north, west is a circle. This doesn't prove that the earth is flat because it's the same on a globe. If I try to push this compass east, I have to constantly correct to the north to maintain a heading of 90 degrees due east, right? East is a circle around the magnetic center. Get a magnet, get a compass, and you'll see what I'm talking so about. So east now, is counterclockwise, west is clockwise is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And so if I try to dead wreck in west and like I'm not going to correct to the north, I'm heading south. Okay? I'm heading south. Um, because every direction, every straight line is south. Everybody listening, point in a direction parallel with the ground. And I guarantee you, you're all pointing south. Every single one of you is pointing south, even if you change directions. South is every straight line. What do I mean by that? So I can go, I'm going to put the compass over here, like, and I'm going to head south. South is every one of these lines radiating out from the north. Now, if I was on a ball, I should be able to go south from Santiago and, and show up in, uh, over here, but I haven't. So this is south. I'm going in a straight line. As I showed you a moment ago, if I try to head west and I don't turn, I'm heading south. Now I'm heading north, 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 north. Up. Oh, now I'm heading south. As soon as I pass the North Pole, it does a 180. Every straight line leads to Antarctica. Antarctica is in the outer south. Very interesting. So you're saying that uh, if somebody was to get in a boat, leave Los Angeles and go in, uh, keep north, go straight, eat, they would, and they would eventually hit Antarctica. Even though well, they think if, you, if you, if you head north, you have to pass the North pole. Just think about it. This isn't, this is easy. Once you pass the North pole, it's behind you. What's in front of you South East and West people have a harder time with. I got, so go outside and say that tree is the North, right? And I'm going to point towards it at 90 degrees. And I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk 90 degrees from that tree. And I got my finger and I walk. If I don't correct, I'm no longer pointing to the North. I have to turn. I have to turn to make sure that my North needle stays to the North. East and West are circles on a globe. If you were one mile from the North pole and you got out your compass and you started walking West, um, 6.28 miles later, you'd be right back to where you started from because you have to keep correcting around the North Pole. The compass will always point to the North. They don't teach you this in school. Amelia Earhart flew east or west, whatever direction she went, and she basically just went east, 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 stopped at all of these locations, east, 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 if, she, if this is even a true story. But she just, this is a circle around the realm. A circle around the realm. Here's something. Um, you mentioned eclipses before. Um, if you look at the paths of eclipse, eclipses, where's my... Uh... Yeah, and daytime, daytime uh, eclipse is uh, a big one people bring up too. Right. So, Lunar eclipse. Yeah, well, uh, the, this is the path of a solar eclipse, right? This is where the viewing spots are. Um, well, I think it was a couple eclipses, but you put them all together on a flat earth map and it makes a beautiful circle. Okay. So how does that work on a flat earth? Well, one way it could work is, you know, you got your Tropic of Cancer, your Tropic of Capricorn, you got your equator, 
And then you have your sun and moon that circle around in between these. Now, this isn't the scale, of course, and the speeds aren't correct, but this takes six months to go in and out. The moon does the same thing the sun does, but it does it every 28 days, 14 days in, 14 days out. The sun takes six months in, six months out, and only when they cross at a nodal point do you get an eclipse. Can I show you? I, I, I take a, it, it take like two or three minutes, but I made a video of what I think causes the eclipse. That'd be great. Cause I, yeah. And I'd love to uh, get into daytime lunar eclipse too, because that's where supposedly the shadow of the earth, the global earth is blocking, um, you know, so if, how can that be on a, and yeah. I think, yeah, I have some ideas well, on that. I, well, it, it's not the, just remember to ask me when we're done with this, yeah. because it's provable. Uh, don't ask me what's doing the eclipse. I have my theories, but I can tell you what's not causing the eclipse. It's the, it's the earth casting a shadow on the moon. That's, that's a provable fact. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the, this is called the flatter sun, moon and zodiac clock app. If I hit the frequently asked questions up come all of the top questions, why aren't they loading? Here we go. And if I clip the eclipses button up comes some eclipse videos and I scroll down and this is my eclipse video. Okay, so which one do I want? I want this one. Okay, so, and here it goes. So the, on the right here is an actual eclipse that I filmed. The, the sky was kind of chemi, so it was actually really easy. It wasn't too glary. And this is an eclipse that I'm making with a rear projector on a paper towel, okay? So there was a, an eclipse prior to that where a couple people had filmed it and saw this weird little eclipsed mini sun. Like this is a, a, a lens flare and this is locked into position with the sun. Mm -hmm. Now, the, 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 the eclipse was actually the same. It was this much done, but it's just blowing out the lens here. The, the eclipse is like 80%, just like this lens flare is showing, but it, it's just blowing out the lens. So we're trying to figure out what that is. And what I think that is, I think it's the projector, the source of the sun, the, the, as Crow calls it, the, 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 um, what does he call it? The, um, the spirit sun. All right. So I believe that above the firmament or within it is the source, the light, whatever that light may be. Okay. And it's projecting inside our personal dome of vision. Okay. So, what I did is I recreated the eclipse using, um, using this paper towel. Basically, I have a projector behind it. I'll show you in a second. And I'm taking a round object and I'm eclipsing the source. And this is what we're seeing. It looks just like the eclipse. But what was that little light source? And what I figured is, well, our atmospheric dome of vision isn't at that opaque. It's less opaque than a paper towel. So I used some tissue paper. I did the same thing again. Okay. And here we go. So I've got the projector. I'm bringing in, this is from the front side. I'm bringing in my eclipse and look right here. That's the projector. I'm seeing it through the atmospheric density. Okay. Interesting. Right. Just pause it there. Mm -hmm. This is the real eclipse. This is my simulated eclipse. Interesting. I modeled it. Now you go model your stupid eclipse. Not you. I'm not saying to you. I'm just like, talking to heliocentrists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. So that's the idea is that these are all these luminaries are projections. Well, you know, we sent a, a balloon up in Arizona with at uh, nighttime with the cameras, high def cameras pointing up. And before it took off, it had a beautiful, star, you know, the star filled sky. And as it goes on a clear night, as it goes up higher, they should get clearer and better and, and brighter. But when it got up to 50, 60,000 feet, all the stars were gone. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Crow Triple Seven has done some great work with all this with his photography. Well, his, his lunar wave is a, the trippiest, one of the trippiest things I've seen. Yeah. And uh, you know, we're all trying to figure this thing out. So in the heliocentric model, you got your moon and you got your sun. And the moon is 400 times smaller and the sun is 400 times bigger and 400 times farther away. But somehow they find a spot in space where they just happen to be the same size, right? And then sometimes the moon will go in front of the sun and cause a total eclipse, right? You with me? Mm -hmm. Right? The odds of that happening are zero, okay? Right? But we're, we're so close to zero, you can't even fathom that. But the problem is the odds of it happening a second time in a heliocentric, crazy, beehive, random universe that you can't model more than three, two bodies um, is even less. But the problem is we have eclipses every single year and every 18, 19 years, the system repeats and you have the same eclipses again and again and again. It's called the, the, the Soros uh, cycle. And then there's another cycle, I forget the name. But these things, these eclipses happen um, every year and every 18 years they repeat. Every 18 years they complete. You know, when you look at, uh, you guys know about the Antikythera mechanism? Hmm. Yes, please explain seen, it to us. I've seen stuff on this. Yes, it's interesting. Yeah, this was this was found uh, sunken in the water off of Greece, off the island of Antikythera, and it was they're estimating it to be thousands of years old. I forget the exact number. And they literally um, they got an MRI machine, a super expensive machine, and they they figured out all the gears and they put it together and they actually created one. And it shows you when the eclipse is happening, the position, the phases of the moon, and where some of the planets are. And it works perfectly, and it's thousands of years old, okay? And we couldn't even build it today. We didn't know how to build it, but they knew back then. I mean, you guys looked into Tataria, right? Mm -hmm. And all that stuff, yeah? yeah? Yeah. So once you understand that everything is a lie, every single thing is a lie, people say, Dave, everything can't be a lie. And I say, yeah, you're right. You know, Sully landed on the, on the river in Manhattan. Then I found out that was a lie, okay? Not everything's a lie. I'm sorry. We live in a world, you know, and the, the CIA guy from the CIA said, once the American, everything they believe is false, we've, our job is completed. Their job is completed. Everyone's believing a bunch of nonsense. Well, and we talk a lot about this reality being a thought-based reality. And I even, I even get into retroactive history and how we literally are, history is, is not uh, set in stone and it changes according to what we collectively think of it as. And this gets into really trippy have stuff. You, have you looked into the Mandela effect? Oh, of course. Gone, yes. and, gone through have that. You, have, you had, have you had Brian Stavely on yet? No, I haven't, but we let me let me there's a lot of different perspectives Brian. on the Mandela effect. It, it, a lot and of you different know what? Ones. Listen, there's a lot, and you know what? And uh, there's some Mandela's that I completely disagree with. I'm like, that is just a false memory, that's baloney, right? Brian's got some stuff that will blow your mind, okay? If you're interested, I'll I'll, I'll connect you when we're done. And um, yeah, please, please connect us. I've I've listened to him quite a bit, and I okay. love it. And uh, he right, does good. collect and uh, connect a lot of dots. And also, when you get into the physics of it, you can actually explain how that works. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and, 
and people, people are like, well, they, you know, that couldn't work. You know, things change. Yeah, this world is a magical place. Our thoughts create our reality. We can create anything that we want, and they don't want us to know that. Nobody has power over us except in your imagination, right? This world is so incredible, so amazing that all of this tyranny could be done, not even tonight, this afternoon, okay? It could be done tonight if everyone just said, I'm out, I'm done, unplug from the, from the globe. People say, Dave, with all the tyranny going on in the world, with all the nonsense, why are you talking about flat earth? Because you're plugged into the matrix, the flat earth deception of the globe deception and the and hiding the flat earth hiding your position in this realm is how they're getting away with everything okay i don't know a single flat earther that um that doesn't see through the deception and people say well how many flat earthers are you this is uh this is my app and i'm going to show you how many flat earthers there are just near me these are flat earthers that are just near me right in my um in my radius, I'll set it to 50 kilometers. Hold on. Hold on, I gotta wait. Is this a new addition so to 50, your app? Um, this is, oh yeah, the, the colors, yeah. So the, the orange dots are um, people that are new to the Friend Finder in the, uh, in the last 60 days. Your dot's orange for the first 60 days. Oh, so you're using Friend Finder, okay. Yeah, that, well, I, I get a little concerned about this, Dave, as a technologist, that this could be a honey trap showing the CIA or whoever where all the wake it, people Here's are. the thing, here's the thing. It doesn't track, <laughs> it doesn't track you in real time. Um, you can turn it off, you can hide yourself, you can actually remove this feature from the app, um, but they don't need my app to track you. They're already listening. They already know where you are. Your phone is tracking you. So if you have a phone, you've agreed to be tracked. If you have a banking app on your phone, it's listening to you. It's storing everything you say. It's like, forget about it. My app has the least amount of permissions ever, but this technology connects us together, okay? Connects us together. But right here is how many people are within 50 kilometers of me, and it's 271. And I could group message them. It's like, hey, I'm having a party, a flat earth meetup at uh, Tony's Pizza, Saturday, 4 p.m. And, um, you know, that's it. So it's, they're everywhere. There's so many flat earthers and people are actually, the, the new feature is you can hit the profile button and up comes, you can put a profile and people are using it as a dating app. People are using it to find jobs. Because guess what? Flat earthers only want to work for other flat earthers and flat earthers that are hiring people really only want to hire flat earthers. Sounds a little like clicky, but it's the truth. I don't want to work. I don't even want to talk to anybody. <laughs> Actually I do, but the people I like hanging out with are the people that are awake to this reality. And uh, it's, it's truly an amazing place. So that those are new things that I've added on the app. And for those of you that don't know, the app is $3. Okay. You do not have to subscribe uh, the only reason you subscribe is it gets you um, dark sky weather, which is great weather. And uh, it's a great weather app with no ads. And it also lets you send messages. It costs money to send messages. That's why I charge $11 for the year. Basically, if you ever bought a glass of wine or a margarita, well, that's a year's subscription. Okay. I remember getting it. Was it, was it free back in the day? I swear when I got it, it, it was, it was free when I, when I first made it, but everyone's like, Hey yeah. Dave, can you add vi videos? Could you add this? Can you add that? And I started spending more and more money. I was like, they're like, just put a donation button on there. And then they wouldn't let me put a donation button on it. Cause it's not allowed. So I put a button that says subscribe. And the only thing it got you is it got rid of the thing that says, would you like to subscribe that only shows up once a day. 
And so go. a lot of people subscribe. Go, yep, there you go. Oh, it's beautiful on the iPad. Um, update yeah, your app. Yeah, so uh, update your app. I oh, keep all my apps on my iPad here. Perfect. So uh, no doubt I'm part of a terrorist watch list right yeah. now. It's it, <laughs> it's it's it, you know what? There's too many of us now, and it's growing exponentially. <laughs> I say 2020 is the year of flat Earth, unless of course we're all dead. Hey, okay. Dave, what do you say to some folks who say, okay, uh, it could be flat, it could be global. I don't care. It doesn't matter in my life. It's a psyop to get us said, all divided. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. I said, it's going to discredit all of the work I've done on all of these other, um, these other things. And what it is, is they don't want you to know your true potential. They don't want you to know that there's more possibilities. They don't want you to know that there's endless energy and it's free and you don't have to pay for it. They don't want you to know that, you know, water is, is more valuable than gas. You can power cars with water. Um, they don't want you to know that you have power. They don't want you to know that global warming is nonsense. They don't want you to know um, that you can create things with your mind. They don't want you to know anything. They want you to be a slave. They want you to be afraid of nuclear bombs. Nuclear bombs are fake. Did you know that? You listen to Crow, obviously you must know that, okay? Um, I've gone down that rabbit hole a bunch, yes. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, the, the whole nuclear bomb thing, that's a whole, a whole nother thing. Um, they want you living in fear. And here's the, here's the good news. The good news is we have free will. They're not allowed to take it from us unless we stupidly give it to them. They tell us what we're doing. And if we're too stupid to say no, we're saying yes. Okay. And that's how, that's the game that they play. Right. But when you wake up to flat earth, it's amazing. Everyone, I woke people up to, you know, the, the exposing the big three, you know, New York, Connecticut, and Boston. And uh, they just go back to sleep. Then I wake them up to flat earth. They're like, whoa, whoa, I see it all now. And everyone sees it all. We have these meetups. We had Flattoberfest in South Carolina in October. And uh, I was there with four or 500 flat earthers. Amazing. Every single person's your best friend. Every blue dot uh, or orange dot on that map is literally your best friend. Male yeah, our, or female, our buddy, our buddy, Mar our buddy, Marty Leeds was there. Marty, he's, a, he's my, he, I love Marty. He's, he's a the good best. friend of our show, of the show. And he's been on yeah. three or four times on our show. And Marty, um, Marty is the man. You no, know, it's, uh, if you haven't seen uh, Flat Earth, uh, um, the ultimate litmus test in uh, in the app, if you hit the web button and you go to feature length movies, um, I believe Marty's is in there. Flat Earth, Flat Earth the ultimate litmus test right at the top. Okay. Um, great videos. And this is how, you know, if you want to wake people up, this app is the way to do it because they're hiding everything. Like when someone says, we didn't get into plane flights, but if you hit the, the color wheel, up come all sorts of useful images that you can show people. Like, yeah, we went to the moon in this. We went to the moon in that. <laughs> Two hey, guys in diapers and a real, car. Real quick, Dave. Real quick, we didn't because yeah. we got to get going. Explain yeah. uh, what about the uh, the centrifugal versus centrifugal or whatever of uh, northern hemisphere versus southern hemisphere with the water Coriolis effect. How is that not that, globe? It, it's not true. The 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 idea that toilets go in a different direction in the south is false. The guys at the equator that move a freaking sink five feet on each side of the equator, that is just the way they pour the water in. It's a parlor trick. Eric DeBay exposed that uh, numerous times. Um, there's a button on the app that says, what about the Coriolis effect? Shows all of that. Now, storm systems generally in the south spin in the opposite direction in the north. And that's because the sun and the moon traveling around their path in between the tropics are like, it's sending an electromagnetic wake. So if you push your hand through water, you're going to get opposite spinning vortices. However, sometimes when a storm is traveling 
towards the tropics, if the sun and the moon are on the other side, it may cross the tropics and have a counter-rotating storm in the north. Happens all the time. They just don't talk about it. It happens like every year. It happens more than once. Okay. So, yeah. So that disproves the globe. One, one last one I always get. People flying from Australia straight to South Africa. How do they do that faster than flying from, because if you look at the connections from uh, Australia through Dubai, because a lot of the flights go from the Emirates, for instance, goes um, to Dubai and it has to go down to um, South Africa and um, versus um, going straight from Australia to to South Africa. According to your I, model, that would be way longer than what they're it, able to do faster. They are longer and uh, NASA contro controls GPS, NASA controls flight routes, NASA controls the radar. You don't know how fast these flights are going, but on a globe, Right with the equator in the middle, the northern hemisphere on the top. If you're going from any, that's a question for you guys. Any, any two locations, pick a thousand different combinations of two locations. Would you ever cross the equator to get from one northern location to the other? The no. answer is no, you would never cross the equator. And guess what? There are no flights from a northern origin to a northern destination that cross the equator. The same should be true on the bottom of a southern ball. Right? Any two southern locations should never cross the equator. It's like this. Okay? Right? We have, we have trips where cross the equator, cross the equator. Right? Why is it stopping all the way up here? Well, the answer is because that stop is right on the line. Right? When so you what you're look, showing is a flight from Sydney to Lima, Peru, and it goes through Los Angeles versus going straight across the Pacific right. there. Whatever. It's about the same distance, too on according to the globe, but this is the real flight path. Here's another one, right? If you, uh, if you go from um, Johannesburg to um, Wellington. Yes, okay, this is the one why, that I was bringing up, yeah. Yeah, why does it stop all the way up in, um, I can't see that, what does it say? Doha. Doha, right? Why does it go all the way up there? Well, look at the route. This is the route. It's a friggin' straight line, practically a straight line. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and go ahead. And DIT stands so for many, deep inside the rabbit hole. People are asking deep inside yeah, the rabbit hole. Yeah, there's so, so many uh, discrepancies. Sorry, there's so many discrepancies. We want to get all your information before we uh, close up here. But uh, maybe just a little word about the five-hour discrepancy in the international dateline there. Um, you know what? The whole dateline thing. There, that's areas that I haven't been so. Um, it, it's difficult to, to understand. Like there's this one Island that's right near this other Island and there's like five hour difference and it makes no sense. I don't, yeah. I haven't yeah. verified where those islands are myself. I haven't been there, so I really can't speak to it. But, um, you know, if you look at, uh, the emergency, the emergency landings prove the earth is flat. Cause sometimes there's an emergency on an airplane and you got to land. So there was an emergency here and they went all the way up to Moscow, which is like a thousand miles out of the way. But if you look at the origin destination, Moscow is right on the line. This happens all the time, right? So mm -hmm. here's one, right? They, all, they went all the way to Alaska, right? Alaska is right on the line from the origin to the destination, right? When you, when you really watch these things, um, it happens. Now, people are like, well, I don't, why should I believe you? This book by um, Eddie from Flat Earth uh, Banjo uh, YouTube channel he documented 16 emergency landings, took all of the information from the mainstream, from the airlines, and proved it. Every single one of them, in, they, they, on a the globe, it went thousands of miles, a thousand miles out of the way, whatever it was. 
every single one of them, the place that they landed was right on the line between the origin and the destination or slightly, you know, slightly off because it, it well, there didn't happen to be one there. Closest airport. How many times does this have to happen for you to go, okay, they're lying. They're lying. This proves that the earth is not a globe. It proves that it's flat. Yeah, and the only uh, thing I was getting at is uh, with the globe model, you have um, two land masses, uh, you know, one in the east, one in the west, and their proximity and mileage should keep them in a similar time zone, but there's a five-hour difference. So just things like that, just nothing adds up. Right, and uh, once you, when you look at um, time zones, uh, that, that's another thing. One more, one more here, and then we'll go to time zones, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. From Santiago to um, Sydney, it goes all the way across the equator, across the United States and down. But if they want to go to Southern Australia, the flight route goes all the way up here, all the way over to China, Singapore and down. That's crazy. Look at it on a flat earth map. You want to go to Western Australia, this side of Australia it goes up across the United States, China, Singapore. It's a straight line again, a straight line. Okay. Now when you're flying from one way or back, there's like a five hour difference. And it, 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 it goes, I believe it goes against the spin of the earth. You go, well, the earth is spinning, right? But the earth spin doesn't affect other flights. It just affects this one. It's because they're using these wind currents on the yeah, app. There's the a wind streams. current. Yeah. It shows you instead of this crazy sine wave, these beautiful circles circling above the earth. The app uh, shows you all of that. Um, and then, well, that's uh, what uh, I was you- going to say about the uh, Australian flight um, that goes from, uh, I believe, Sydney to Johannesburg is that they're catching a wind current uh, that is extremely fast. And they're going at speeds that if you go to right. try to track it online, they're actually covered. They don't show them to you, which is kind of weird. Don't, they don't show you the, the flights. And we actually had Max Egan on a flight. He was a Glober at the time. And he was doing compass readings and the compass readings, we said, look, this is exactly the path. And we used his compass readings. We drew a line on the flat earth map and it matched. It matched. It made no sense on the globe. He even said, he goes, I expected to be going southwest, but I, I was going north, uh, northwest and then southwest. And that didn't make sense, but he didn't really think it through. <laughs> well, so- Dave, we're, we're running right. out of time here and we're we haven't even touched on NASA. So we may oh, need yeah. to have you back for a NASA special because that alone is an hour and a half, two hour show easily. Yeah. And that when you start diving into the esoterics behind NASA and the occult connections, <coughs> excuse me, it just gets so wild. <coughs> excuse me. Right. So let me, uh, let me wrap up. And well, the, the whole NASA thing in the app, by the way, you go hit the, what about NASA button? endless videos watch the daily video every day and uh you'll will you it's go read the reviews in the app store that's it just go read the reviews that'll turn you into a flat earther um it's 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 a tool because of the censorship this bypasses all of it anybody that you're trying to turn into you know show them flat earth get them the app gift them the app right um it's three dollars it's 99 cents a month if you want to be able to message people feel free to subscribe or not doesn't matter um just read the reviews you'll You'll see. It's amazing. And you can find me at flatearthdave.com. All the links are there. My YouTube's there. And I have short videos. My, my YouTube channel, D-I-T-R-H, right here. Um, all my videos are under five minutes, or most of them, okay? For those of you that are just need little, little bites, um, go there in the app. All of my interviews, including this one, um, will be in the app. If I uh, Let me just show you real quick. If I hit the, um, the web button and the top right, you see, it says Flat Earth Dave interviews. And if I hit that, look, we're right there live right now. Pretty cool. 
And so everybody that has the app can can see that. There cool. you go. Cool. Hey, we'll put all the links in the show notes below, guys. So you can click those and go right to these. Very easy to find. Uh, thanks, Dave, so much. This has been enlightening. Hopefully those who um, scoff at us for bringing this up uh, on the show can start to see why we're open to all these ideas because it's really very logical and common sense. For those of yeah, you that Dave, scoff, uh, those of you that mm-hmm. scoff, come collect your three Bitcoins. You're scoffing. You have to have one proof that's making you scoff. Come collect your Bitcoins. Come on. <laughs> I love it. You're like the stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to take you up on it. You're like um, so the Stefan Lanka. So much for the, being with yeah. again. Uh, you know, it's just just really a lot of fun, and uh, maybe we can have you back sometime and go a little deeper into some things. Yeah, no problem. It's, Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. See you on the okay other see side. On, see you on the flip side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See you on the other side. Yeah, it's always, okay. always, always a globe reference. I swear they got it in all the all the uh, language. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this, please give us a thumbs up, give us a share, uh, and uh, really put this, get this out to people because it's time that people really just start thinking about this more. And for those that go, why does it even matter? Well, because when we're built, when the whole deck of cards is built on a foundation of lies, that's why we're in the mess we're in. So it's good to unpack this because it, as Dave says, it really frees you up in your life too, in amazing ways. So you'll have impact. And also I really love the subculture of the flatter subculture, Jaron, and of course, Rose and the Crow team and all these fun shows out there. Everybody's just having fun. So that's what I really enjoy about it too. So thanks guys. And next week I'll be in Austin for the greater reset. We're going to try to do a live um, little uh, show maybe from the hotel there at the summit at the conference. So uh, just stay tuned for that. And you guys have a beautiful day as we always end it. Get outside, get nature, get your feet uh, in the soil, go plant something. Mother nature is our best teacher. She's here to help. We love you. We will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks Dave so much.